Hello and welcome to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you very much indeed for tuning into this episode. Today we're going to talk about bikes. It's time to go motorbike racing after a long winter wait since the close of the MotoGP season in November. It's time to go back racing again. Unfortunately, we won't see the guys in MotoGP do battle until next month, but we have the traditional curtain raiser for the World Superbike season starting at one of my favourite circuits in the world, Phillip Island, just south of Melbourne in Australia. Now, for those who aren't familiar with Phillip Island, it is one of the best circuits in the world, particularly for racing motorcycles. Every year it hosts a round of the World Superbike Championship and also the MotoGP World Championship as well. And I think only Assen uh, in Holland really rivals it for pure uh, action uh, and quality of racing when racing motorcycles. Just the, the high speed layout of the circuit really lends well to fantastic motorcycle racing. Also the high, the high speed nature of the circuit really it doesn't allow any particular rider to really make a break away from the pack if they do it's very rare that that happens so what you often see is you see the pack closing up normally riders who wouldn't be fighting for the win get to come in and fight for the win at Phillip Island and you could say the same about Assen uh, in Holland as well so it's such a great way to get the season kicked off we always have three fantastic races at Phillip Island without fail and sometimes we see a few strange results thrown up there uh, as well so it's so exciting to get the season started. The riders have already been out on track um, for the first two free practice sessions of this first weekend and I thought what a perfect time to do a little season preview of what we can expect before they go racing proper tomorrow uh, on Saturday the 29th of February down in Australia and well Saturday sorry Friday the 28th of February pretty much everywhere else in the world due to the significant time difference. World Superbikes in the last couple of seasons has it's been a it's been a difficult sell from an entertainment point of view, mainly due to the brilliance of Northern Irishman Jonathan Ray, who has won five world titles in a row in his five years with the Kawasaki World Superbike team. A quite exceptional performance over such a long period of time, racking up an incredible amount of wins and just dominating the sport completely. Now, Jonathan has been, he, well, he, he took over from um, Tom Sykes as the team leader of, of Kawasaki. Tom Sykes previously won a, won a world championship with Kawasaki, but as soon as Jonathan Ray came in, he really took the game on another step and Tom Sykes eventually retreated out of the team to uh, the BMW team where he now resides. Um, so, if, if you like, the World Superbike Racing has been pretty one-sided for the last number of years. But a lot of the times, as we see in MotoGP, where we've had Marc Marquez doing most of the winning, where only one of the seasons that he's had in MotoGP is where, where he hasn't he hasn't won the world, world title, which was in 2015 when Lorenzo won on the Yamaha. But if you look at the last five years in MotoGP, well, we've been treated to some of the finest racing ever in the sport. So even if the, if the, the overall winner can be sometimes predictable, the racing around it can be, can be very exciting and unpredictable. 
However, in World Superbikes in the last few seasons, the racing has been pretty predictable. It's been more or less a two-way fight between Kawasaki, with Jonathan Ray in particular, and Ducati. But even Ducati um, have had some tough years um, th you know, in, in the series as well. So there hasn't been a great deal of competition. Some of the races are a little bit stale, sometimes large gaps between each rider and actually with the way that the rules are in world superbikes with it being a production bike based class and um, really that shouldn't be the case uh, if you look at other superbike series around the world really the competition should be a bit closer um, however 2020 we have real reason for optimism and actually looking at today's free practice times from this morning in australia we can be even more optimistic and I'll, as throughout the episode I'll run through each of the teams there's a lot of changes from from last year and hopefully that's going to really inject a little bit of life into the series and we'll see the racing that we're that we really want to see because there's never ever been a problem of the quality of riders in world superbikes um it's sometimes just the machinery that certain riders have been on which has prevented them from racing at the front and challenging jonathan ray so we'll start with honda honda are the biggest story because honda have not been a feature in the world superbike championship for many years and of course it was honda tenkati honda that uh, jonathan ray rode for before moving to the kawasaki team and we really saw how much of a jump he made from the Honda to the Kawasaki and how much his results improved with immediate effect when he got off the aging Honda Fireblade and onto the uh, the Kawasaki. Now bear in mind that was back in 2015 uh, and really the, the, the Honda Fireblade hadn't really moved on at all since then so it's very much been the, uh, the back of the pack in terms of bike performance outperformed by um, by the Aprilia, outperformed by the Ducati, outperformed by the Kawasaki and the Yamaha and even BMW uh, as well. So really not the bike uh, to be on for the last number uh, of, of years. And now it's interesting because Honda in MotoGP in the prototype Grand Prix classes Honda have been a dominant force with their Spanish star Mar Marquez on board, winning five of the last six world championships. So Honda have not been without success in global motorcycle racing, but there's one particular race which I think has had a significant effect on Honda's new strategy to come back to the World Superbike Championship with a proper HRC, Honda Racing Corporation, factory team. That's very important. This is the first time in many years we've seen a proper straight from the Honda factory um, manufacturer supported team. And I think it all comes down to one race in the middle of the Japanese summer at the end of July, the Suzuka 8-hour race. And for those, for those not familiar, the Suzuka 8-hour race in the eyes of the Japanese motorcycle manufacturers is the biggest race in the world. It is the most important trophy to win in all of motorcycle racing and that includes the MotoGP World Championship, believe it or not. It is such a big deal to win that title, to win that race, um, that one-off race, eight-hour race in the middle of the Japanese summer. And each Japanese manufacturer, Honda, Yamaha, Kawasaki and Suzuki, throw everything at it to build a special motorcycle specifically to go and win that race. Now, for the last number of years, last four years, it's been all about Yamaha. And last year, Kawasaki won for the first time since the early 90s. Now, 
the, the context here, it, the Suzuka circuit is owned by Honda and Honda still remain the most successful manufacturer in the history of the Suzuka 8-hour race. So to lose so many years in a row at the hands of their rivals from Yamaha and now Kawasaki, that is embarrassment that in, J in Japanese business culture, they cannot accept anymore. And the one thing is, is if you if you poke Honda, if you poke Honda hard enough, and if you anger them enough, what they will come back with will be deeply impressive. And I think what this very impressive new CBR Honda Fireblade program, so a brand new motorcycle and a brand new factory World Superbike program, that is, I think this is all building towards winning that Suzuka 8-hour race because they are truly fed up of uh, of losing that race. Now, come down to the two riders that Honda have chosen for their new program. We'll start with the we'll start with the, the Derbyshireman Leon Haslam. Now, you could argue that there might have been other riders that Honda could have employed in that seat for when you're thinking about the context of World Superbike success. However, Leon Haslam has something up his sleeve. He is very much a Suzuka 8-hour expert and has won the race with Kawasaki and a couple of times with Honda as well. He has an incredible stamina, incredible fitness and an amazing ability to, to race faster than anybody else at the Suzuka 8-hour. And I think that, was, that has been recognised by Honda and I suspect that is a very big reason of why he got that coveted seat in the factory Honda team. The other rider that they've chosen was really interesting, was Alvaro Bautista. The diminutive Spaniard left the MotoGP Championship at the end of 2018 and signed with the factory Ducati team to board its then brand new V4R Panigale Ducati, so it's brand new superbike, and he came into the championship and absolutely dominated the early part of the season, winning I think 10 or 11 out of the first 12 races, absolutely incredible. Unfortunately, through a series of incredibly unusual circumstances, he ended up losing the championship to Jonathan Ray, who was always there, there, thereabouts, chipping away, chipping away, being as, so relentlessly consistent as he is. But by that point, Bautista had really proven of, of how how capable he was on, a, on the World Superbike machine and went on to the shopping list of a lot of the other manufacturers. It basically, in short terms, he fell out with Ducati and signed with Honda, leaving a free seat open at Ducati, which we'll talk about very shortly. But Bautista, you know, he's he, last year he really was able to exploit the straight line speed advantage that the Ducati motorcycle enjoyed over its rivals. Now, from testing, amazingly, the new Honda CBR Fireblade has been the fastest bike through the speed traps. Now. That before, with the old CBR Fireblade, it was exactly at the other end of the speed traps. It was the slowest motorcycle in a straight line. So that is a very important consideration. Of course, Bautista is one of the smallest riders and one of the lightest riders in the field. So having that and a big straight line speed advantage could be absolutely devastating for, um, for their opposition. So it's great to have this real promise from Honda to see them back with two great riders and a fully backed um, factory program. And 
The HRC director, Tatsuro Kuwata, has said, you know, the, the motto for this new CBR Fireblade is born to race. And we are back in World Superbikes to prove the performance and to win this championship. So they are very clear in what they're coming into. And that's one thing through the history of HRC, of the Honda Racing Corporation, they do not turn up with a full factory programme to lose. Um, that's just not in their makeup. So it's brilliant to see them back. What's also brilliant to see is the early pace of the Yamaha team. The Pata Yamaha team run by Crescent in the UK, Paul Denning's outfit that used to run the Suzuki World Superbike effort. They run the factory Yamaha uh, team um, with Dutchman Michael van der Mark and new signing top rack Rasgati Oglu, who's one of the hottest properties in World Superbike right now. Um, a protege of um, fellow Turkish rider uh, Keenan Sofogolu, the multiple World Supersport champion. Top rack Rasgati Oglu has had some incredible performances last year on the independent Puccetti Kawasaki. But actually, it was came as quite a surprise to the paddock that Top Rack Rasgati Oglu would actually move away from Kawasaki. But again, coming back to that race, the Suzuka Eight Hour, because Kawasaki, when they came to the Suzuka Eight Hour in 2019, they fielded the three fastest riders they could get. Their two factory team riders, Jonathan Ray and Leon Haslam, and Top Rack Rasgati Oglu. Quite unusual to not field a Japanese rider like all the other teams would. Very, very unusual indeed for that to happen from a Japanese factory at Suzuka. However, although you field three riders and the, the riders take about an hour, an hour each um, throughout the eight hour race, do it in a sort of relay system. Interestingly, you do not have to use those three riders even if you've brought them over. And what Kawasaki did was they, bearing in mind it's nearly 40 degrees centigrade uh, at Suzuka and very, very humid, so an incredible physical challenge. So it's definitely an advantage to have three riders that you can utilise, but Kawasaki did not. Even though they won the race, they, they only used Jonathan Ray and Leon Haslam. And reportedly that absolutely infuriated Top Rasgati Oglu, who had to sit in the pit box and watch this all going on and had to celebrate with his teammates even though he hadn't actually turned a wheel in the race. And I can completely understand his frustration. And actually that was enough for him to, I mean, bearing in mind he would have had a lot of offers on the table because he was clearly the rider to have, um, the, really the up-and-coming talent, and Yamaha were, out, were able to pinch him. Will they field him at the Suzuki A-Tower this year? They might well do, and he will be out to prove a point, that is for sure. Both Top Rack Rasgati Oglu and Michael Vandermark have, have shown incredible pace on long runs in testing and look like they found something over the winter in the overall one-lap pace of that Yamaha R1 machine uh, as well, and that is a very good thing indeed. Um, so really, really excited to see the Yamahas get on track. In uh, Free Practice 2 today, which was the only dry session, Free Practice 1 was a wet session. Free Practice 2, Top Rack Rasgati Oglu was in second, and Michael Vandermark in third, um, behind Ducati man Scott Redding. So they are right there uh, on pace. We have to talk about Ducati. Ducati last year maybe should have won the championship, had such a fast motorcycle, but unfortunately they had Jonathan Ray and his Kawasaki team to contend with. 
But this year, Ducati coming back with their brilliant V4R Ducati that's been very successful in the British Superbike Championship, locking out the top three in the British Superbike Championship last year, and of course winning the championship with Scott Redding, who moves from the Paul Bird Motorsport Ducati team in British Superbike back up to World Superbikes. Now, in the middle of last season, or towards the end of last season actually, I wrote an article about Scott Redding and about how he took one step back and will be moving too forward. And of course, moving from being a, a regular MotoGP championship rider to the British Superbike Championship can be a little bit difficult for a rider's, um, a rider's confidence or a rider's um, perception of their talent as well to go from a World Championship Series to a domestic series. The advantage though was is that the British Superbike Championship is incredibly competitive and there are no easy wins at all. We have seen so many ex-Grand Prix riders and ex-World Superbike riders go into British Superbikes and they're absolutely eaten alive because of the unique rule set, the more basic machines that they use in British Superbikes and the very unique circuits, circuits like Knock Hill, um, Snetterton, uh, Cadwell Park etc. And you have a lot of local riders who are very, very um, experienced around these particular circuits. But Scott Redding came into there, an unproven quantity, it was a big risk for him, but he, he went into the British Superbike Championship, performed incredibly well, and won the championship under a lot of pressure from his very experienced teammate, Josh Brooks. So that was enough for him to get, his, get back into the Ducati factory on the global scale and to come in uh, into the Aruba.it factory Ducati team against Chaz alongside Chaz Davies. Reading's been very he's been very very good throughout winter testing but he's really you really don't know how good a rider's pace is going to be until the the race season starts proper and that's what started today uh, at Phillip Island and Scott Reading in fact topped both sessions both the um the wet session in free practice one where he was over a second faster than anybody else and then in free practice two in the dry, he was over four tenths of a second faster than top rack Razgati Oglu. So he's looking really, really, really strong and looking really comfortable on uh, the, the Ducati Superbike. Now, we saw when Scott Redding was in uh, the Grand Prix classes, particularly when he fought for the world title in Moto2 against Paula Spargaro, Scott Redding's a very tall rider. He's, he's, he's six foot tall and therefore is a little bit heavier than his compatriots. And the light of the motorcycle that you're on, the more uh, of a detrimental effect that has on the overall lap time and performance. And basically, cost means that Scott has to override compared to his rivals. With a World Superbike machine, that is less important. And in fact, in certain situations, it can be a bit of an advantage. In fact, Actually, a circuit like Phillip Island with lots of constant radius corners, long radius corners, he can actually use the leverage of his body to, to increase corner speed as well. So um, it's great to see Scott on a machine that seems to suit him so well. And he's been able to take his pace and take his experience from his year in British Superbikes on the same bike and move into World Superbikes. There was a little bit of a worry that he might struggle to adjust from the, the very low spec electronics that we have in British Superbikes to the much more high-spec electronics that they have in World Superbikes, but he was, he was, he, that doesn't appear to being a problem so far. So I think Ducati, along with with um, with with Chaz Davies as well, they're going to be right there, and I think we're going to see an excellent rivalry grow between Scott Redding and Jonathan Ray.
Let's talk about the Kawasaki's then. I mean, Jonathan Ray, he's looking for his sixth world title in a row. And he has so many things going for him. Um, you'd have to be a very brave person to bet against the, the Northern Irishman. Because there's one thing that he has amongst many in his uh, armory that many of the other of his competitors do not have. And that's continuity. He's made that Kawasaki World Superbike team his own. His crew chief, Perariba, they have such a good relationship. And they've built this motorcycle exactly to the way that he likes it and the way that he can go out and win you know we, we know very well about Jonathan Ray's attributes he's very consistent he doesn't crash much at all he's very actually he's very good in wheel-to-wheel -wheel combat there's very few weaknesses in his uh, in his repertoire as a rider but that continuity is something that's going to be really really important you know he can basically walk into the garage tomorrow for the first race at Phillip Island and he's getting onto a bike that is like an old pair of jeans, a nice comfy pair of slippers if you like. And that is, and all the other guys, most of the rest of the field are getting onto a bike that's different. They're in a completely new environment and that does take, inevitably takes a bit to adjust. You know, we all know it as, as regular everyday people when we go to work in a new company or, uh, or we're living in a new house, it takes a little bit of time to adjust. So getting on a motorcycle that you've then got to ride at 180 miles an hour into turn one at Phillip Island, that does take a little bit of adjustment. And Jonathan Ray does not have to worry about that. So that's worth considering when we go into uh, the, the races. Jonathan Ray will be joined by um, Alex Lowe's, who has spent a number of years with the Crescent team, first of all with Suzuki and then to Yamaha. And he's had a number of victories at the Suzuki A-Tower as well. And this is the opportunity for Alex Lowe's to come in and prove if he really has what it takes to go and win the World Championship. Up to now, he's probably been slightly curtailed by not quite having the right machinery to regularly compete for race victories and therefore the world championship. Coming into the Kawasaki team, that excuse does not exist. The Kawasaki has won the championship for the last five years and uh, in, in previous seasons to that as well with Tom Sykes. So he's got the motorcycle, can he fit himself to it and maybe will he be allowed to fit himself to it in the way that he wants the bike to fit to him? Or will he have to kind of toe the Jonathan Ray line? That's going to be a really interesting dynamic as we go through the season, how the priority between Jonathan Ray and and uh, Alex Lowe's. I think that's going to be a fascinating thing to watch. Finally, let's talk about BMW. It's great to see BMW getting more involved again in the World Superbikes ch Championships. Along with Sean Muir Racing, uh, they're fielding Tom Sykes, former world champion, and Eugene Laverty, who's had a tough couple of years in the last few years in World Superbikes, but in his, in his glory years at Aprilia, has been right up there in the championship. And when he raced in MotoGP um, for the Aspar Ducati team, he really proved how good a rider he really was. He's been plagued by a lot of really nasty injuries over the last few years. Looks like he'll be coming fit into the 2020 season. If BMW can get that bike working, I think they could be very dangerous as well because the BMW S1000RR road bike has been launched to incredible acclaim. And bearing in mind, that's one thing to, to really consider with World Superbikes is that the road bike that 
the teams all start with does play a factor. You know, the manufacturers sell very little of these types of motorcycle, these 1,000cc over 200 horsepower superbikes because they're so fast and so capable. They tend you tend not to see too many new examples of these bikes out on the road. They're mainly racing only machines nowadays. Um, but the it's very important to go out and prove the ability of the brand. Um, so with the BMW, the new BMW S1000RR being such a fast road bike, it's going to be fantastic to see if they can convert that into a fast world superbike machine as well. If World Superbike is new to you and you're intrigued to check it out, you can watch it through a couple of ways. You can First of all, you can watch it on the video pass on the World Superbike website, or you can subscribe to the Eurosport player, which they show all of the World Superbike and British Superbike races throughout the year, and the Suzuki 8 hour at the end of July. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this little preview of the World Superbike um, season. I hope it's got your appetite whetted for a great season of motorcycle racing. As I say, the racing starts tomorrow on the 29th of February. Check it out. Phillip Island, if you're going to watch any World Superbike race this year, it's got to be Phillip Island tomorrow. So enjoy it if you're watching it. And I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. <laughs>